In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. For I consider that our present suffering cannot even be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. Romans 8.18 One of our intercessory prayers this week was for the victims of the bomb attack and massacre in Norway a week ago today. In the same sentence, we prayed for those in the world for whom oppression and war has become so commonplace they're no longer newsworthy and don't have the outpouring of help Norway is receiving. This struck me. I wanted to rush out and help those forgotten sufferers, thinking I could make all things right, as I did with my children. While I remember there are lots of eyes out there helping and struggling in the face of oppression with the little they have to offer, I wonder what I could be doing. Life isn't fair, and Paul's answer is to remember that we cannot even imagine what's ahead, the glory that will be revealed. I bring this dilemma to a more understandable level for my children. Imagine what happens when someone you know, be it friend, neighbour or fellow exerciser, falls on hard times, receives bad news or loses someone dear. There's an initial rush to help, but after a few weeks, interest flounders and the afflicted one is left to carry on alone. This is not because we don't care. It just happens. It's how we are. So with the world. Countless populations feel they've been lost to the global eye. We can pray for them that their present suffering cannot even be compared to the glory that will be revealed. And we can try not to let our goodwill slacken over time when we're in a position to help those geographically closer to us. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. Good morning, Texans. Good afternoon, fellow Brits. I hope you're ready for a fabulous day. My guest this week is Julie Anderson, public speaker, business and homeschool consultant, who really wants you to tap into your brain. I'll be talking about some of the larks we've had this week, as well as money and myths that surround it, especially if you're on one income because of those children you're choosing to teach. We'll touch on furniture, memories and carpets, so bring your cereal and juice or your afternoon coffee with a Bakewell tart and enjoy this hour with me in England. In keeping with my opening words, I must tell you about a book that I read called Left to Tell, about a young woman in Rwanda who survives her seven companions who were hiding from crazed killers in a tiny bathroom for 91 days. It tells of hope and forgiveness during the slaughter of almost a million Tutsis. Immaculate Ilbagiza held firmly to her faith and has written a remarkable story of how even in the darkest hours forgiveness is possible and prayers, hers and ours, are heard in mysterious ways. She certainly is looking with hope towards glory. And life goes on here in England. We're in a bit of a holding pattern, rather like a plane waiting to land and hovering. Well, planes don't hover, they gently circle. We've agreed to sell the flat, but every day we procrastinate wins us a day before we have to move. 
We did buy carpet this week. I wanted the same type of carpet and similar colour that survived our four children's exuberance, a carpet that withstands wear and tear as well as spills, a mixed fibre, longer, deeper pile and a sort of crushed strawberry. Dusky pink, my better half insists. I wasn't going to drag the pink word into it. All the carpet for sale here is tightly woven and flat. I don't like it. We went round the large carpet shop twice, digging our fingers into their samples. In the end, the young man helping us told us we were looking for what they call American-style carpet, with a longer, softer, deeper weave. We nodded. Do you have any there? Once we'd narrowed our search down to four types that met our requirements within our price range, we had to decide on the colour. Not a pink in sight. By now, because pink was in the description, I was beginning to let go of the rosy colour. We pulled out two plums instead to take outside. We stood on them and wriggled our toes experimentally into the pile. People passing on the street stopped to observe on their way, on their way somewhere. Obviously not in a hurry. Not absolutely sold on the colour, I found an aubergine, which could be purple or brown, but it isn't, which we eventually settled on. We have the sample in the flat now, and we're moving it around from room to room to get a feel for it. It'll warm up the flat, which has stark white walls everywhere. It feels so good underfoot, definitely American in comfort. As we filled out the paperwork, we learned we have to pay for the carpet fitter, singular, to take up the old carpet and haul it away. No teams of men coming out to rip it up and throw it on the side of the road. Uh, you'd get a fine for that if you did that here, said our sales rep, Ian, spelled the Gaelic way, E-I-O-N. Oh, and it would be best if we could take the carpet up ourselves before the fitter, singular, arrives. Then you can get the job done quicker. What? And would we move all the furniture into the hall or outside if it's nice? Our own? Where's that American team? Our next big project is finding a king-size bed. Going into bedding shops is confusing here. There are many different sizes. We had our version of a king-size in measurements, 133 centimetres by 198 centimetres. It's metric here. And we're told that this was a super king. Their king is our queen. They don't actually have a queen-size bed here. There were only two super kings in the showroom, so this tells me finding bedding will be a bit of a bind. Or we can always go to Ikea, but then we get caught up with European sizes, which are different again. And anyway, Ikea's exhausting. It's so big. Furniture is another quest to replace the world-famous Urkel all over the flat. Wood with cushions, lots of wood, really not our style. Comfortable without being sleep-onable. We found some lovely leather couches in an eggshell or ivory, but before we buy them, we thought it may be prudent of us, since we really don't know how long we're staying, to perhaps find a buyer for the Urkel first. Good luck with our generation. My brother said an emphatic no, even when I told him he could have it for free. So we started trawling eBay and such sites to get a feel for the price. Finally, we found some dealers, a married couple, who said they could place the Urkel, and could they come and have a look? They were full of the gift of the Blarney and funny to boot. They told me I needed to get rid of it because they could tell I didn't like it and took copious notes of the items and the condition it was in, which was excellent. I took them to the garage for a look at the plate rack I'd taken down and they immediately said they'd give me a price to include clearing out the garage too. I was quite excited. And when they asked if I had a price in mind so that they wouldn't insult me, I just said, I don't have to take your price if it's not right. The next day, my astute blue-eyed cowboy called them to find out if they were ready with their offer. We now had a date on the carpet fitting, and if we could have the furniture out by then, all the better for our backs. 
you wouldn't believe what they came back to us with. Bloody cheek. It worked out at about £5 an item, about $8. And I'm talking here about bookcases, sideboards, sofas, dining room table and chairs, dressing tables, chests of drawers. Not junk, either. Larry and I laughed. eBay may be a bother, but we'd get more for everything on there, even if we slashed our prices right back. The leather sofas still look good. Anybody want some beautiful old Urkel furniture pre-1990 Windsor style, prime condition? You know, I was thinking the other day, it's so comforting to have one of my children here with me. We're used to doing lots of things together, so the two of us went through the final cupboard last weekend. I was a very methodical homeschooler, and as I cleared out one space, I put anything I didn't want to deal with at the time in a place I hadn't cleared out yet. Leah does the same thing, only her catch-all place always seems to be my bed. Now I was at that final place. Still more memories emerged, of course, photos. They really bring people back to life. Only as Malia and I poured over some with no notations on the back, I found I had no idea where they were taken or who they were of sometimes. And there was no one left to ask. My brother may be able to help. I found my parents' marriage certificates. About four weeks ago, I paid good money to have certified copies of them sent to me for probate purposes. I eventually had to call to chase the officials up because they still hadn't arrived and they admitted to being confused. And I had to clarify that the Leonard Bagley and Kathleen Barnes, who are my parents, were also the same people mentioned in the British Consulate Registry in Dusseldorf, West Germany. Why didn't they call and ask me? A classic case of the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing. I confirmed they were one and the same, or is that two and the same? And paid more money because I was having it was having to be sent from Germany. The document still hasn't arrived, by the way, a whole week later. Now, last Sunday, here I was reading through both marriage certificates with Malia on my bed. The second certificate was for their wedding in the Catholic Church in London, two months after their civil ceremony in Germany. I told Malia they didn't officially begin living together until after the church ceremony. She raised an eyebrow. What else did we find? Birth certificates, a telegram telling of my grandfather's death shortly after I was born, my grandmother's will, in which she left her house in London solely to my mother, even though she had three brothers. I asked my brother about this, and he suggests that perhaps it was because Nana had bought the three boys their houses in London, and since my mother was in Germany, she would get Nana's house on her death, which wasn't to occur for more than 40 years. In the end, it was a moot point. My mother shared all the money equally four ways anyway. We found my parents' handwriting, always a sad reminder, specimens of my writing when I was five, receipts from the cruises they'd taken from Beirut to the south of France, a receipt for my mother's engagement ring. Malia and I looked at a few wedding photographs and saw in their smiles a young couple so in love, poor as church mice, with an unknown but exciting future before them. I have an unknown but exciting future before me too. Ready to come along with me, Hubster? I also found my national insurance number written neatly on an envelope by my father. This is the code the government uses to take tax and welfare benefits out of my paycheck. I didn't have a record of the number weeks ago when I called the authorities again and wondered if I could still work. The official asked me what nationality I was. British, I said, and he replied, with a British passport? Yes, I said, and he replied, as a British citizen, you're entitled to work here and take full advantage of all the benefits that come with being a British subject. Ah, because I'm British, I'm entitled. I love that. I'm American now too, so entitled in both countries. I hope my children will one day be able to appreciate the privilege of having dual entitlement. And uh, for the first time in umpteen years, I'm unemployed. 
trying to write a resume reflecting this is daunting and ill-advised, but if I want a job, an unavoidable necessity. I've garnered a lot of skills during my time as the primary teacher of my children and volunteer extraordinaire around the community, but will prospective employees feel I'm qualified for the jobs they're paying good money for? Well, if I really want a job, I should look down the paths I've already trodden and try there. But I'm happy at home reading and writing and generally shopping and cooking and keeping house, but I feel I'm missing out on sharing my skills. Some days I feel I must get a job. Listening to Ali Lepreet, which you can, by the way, later on today at 5 p.m., a dedicated advocate of the work work at home parent, I think, what skills do I have that will make me money while I'm at home? So I need to go on a break and we'll be How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. So where were you in the 1970s? Well, this Saturday morning, we're going to flash back to the 70s as we count down the classic hits with the American Rock and Roll Countdown. You'll hear news and information and stories about the artist and what was going on during the specific week that we highlight. So be sure to join us at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time this Saturday on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. The Multi-Ethnic Church with Mark DeMoz, Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, is a show that passionately addresses the question, if the kingdom of heaven is not segregated, then why on earth is your local church? They call us Yes, increasingly, our diverse population and the diverse families it's producing is reshaping the face of the local church as people are beginning to recognize the power and beauty of walking, working, and worshiping God together with others of different backgrounds. How can your church overcome the obstacles, and why should you even try? Join a live chat with guests from around the country and the world to learn the effectiveness of churches in the 21st century beyond race and class distinction. This show has its pulse on what it will take for the church to find real reconciliation in our generation. So tune in for the Multi-Ethnic Church with Mark DeMoss, Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, here on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So anyway, um, with my unemployed status, I've been listening to Ali Laprit and um, I began racking my brain. I love to read. I love to write. In fact, that's my dream day. Read a bit, stop for tea, write a bit, doze, read a bit, have a glass of wine, write a bit, fall asleep again because of the afternoon wine, read and write then bed. Hey, was dinner anywhere and all that? I lose all sense of time when I'm either reading or writing. Max Lucado's point in his book, Finding Your Sweet Spot, the place in your life where time flies. And we're not just talking about napping. So I can sell one of those lovely things that I do so well, can I? Well, I like to walk. I could be, um, I could have a dog walking service. I can read. I could read to people and I can write. I could write for people. 
Now I think I may be onto something here with the writing. Ali, your short video, my email this week inspired me. So let's see where it goes from here. Wish me luck, all listeners out there, as I trawl around on the internet looking for writing opportunities. Hopefully it won't kill my sweet spot. And this week, my guest this morning is um, Julie Anderson from the beautiful Sierra Nevada foothills in California. She's a veteran homeschooler of 16 years with three boys who were the inspiration for her book, Quickest Way to Insanity, Homeschool Your Kids. Julie has an extensive educational background covering natural health, psychology, brain function and much more and enjoys sharing her knowledge with homeschoolers and parents through workshops and keynote addresses. Today she's here to talk to us about how understanding the connection between the brain and personality traits benefited her during her homeschooling journey. Welcome Julie, it's a pleasure to have you on my show this morning. Oh, well, welcome, Eric. Thank you very much, Vivian. I appreciate it. This is a little early out here in California, but um, beautiful day, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, good, good. Yes, I know it is. It's, what, 6 o'clock or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, um, good for you for being up. Good way to start your day. Um, anyway, I, first off, um, before we get into your speciality, I want you to tell us a little bit about, well, actually, I don't want you to tell us how you got into homeschooling right now. I want, me to, I want you to tell us how you were educated. What was your education like? And maybe it'll reveal how it led you to homeschooling. Well, actually, I was educated fairly uh, what you might call or label traditionally uh, through third grade. It was just a public school. I was in private school from fourth grade through graduation, um, but it, was, it wasn't any special type of schooling. It pretty much followed the, the quote-unquote traditional lines of schooling with the normal classroom setting. Mm-hmm. And, and um, about brothers and sisters, what's your, what was your family made up of? There are five daughters all together. I'm right in the middle, although I was the baby for 11 years. So, and we all, my two younger, my two older sisters and myself were pretty much all schooled the same way. Mm-hmm. My two younger sisters did do some um, correspondence and um, home study for just the last few years of their schooling. All right. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So you had pretty traditional schooling and then you went to um, university and um, studied what? Uh, my studies are <laughs> kind of across the board. Um, I focused in natural health I, mm-hmm. for a while, and I am an interpreter for the deaf, so I have quite a few units of deaf studies under my under my belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I have some private tutoring through the on uh, the this whole topic of the brain personality connection out of uh, the literally the largest international speaker on the subject, Dr. Arlene Taylor out of Napa Valley, California. And she's the one who actually did the fact-based editing on my book. So she was a, a huge, huge wealth of knowledge that I learned. Uh, just cannot, cannot say enough to thank Arlene Taylor for the information that she gave me on the brain. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, that, well, something that you said in there um, made me think that perhaps, can you work at home? Do you work at home? I do. I do. do. Um, I am a public speaker. And mm-hmm. so I work, um, well, <laughs> I help manage my husband's business, but we also have, I travel all over the country, actually, and in inter- internationally speaking on the brain and the brain personality connection. So how did you get into that? I mean, the speaking part. Well, 
<laughs> I've actually been speaking in front of crowds for many, many, many years. It, when I was quite young, I would do it, and it just kind of seemed something that that I naturally fell into. I love instructing people on things I'm passionate about, and because I'm so passionate about the brain for the last 12 years primarily, that's what I've been focusing on is educating um, individuals about how this information applies to their relationships. Of course, the last couple of years since the book's been out, the homeschooling, how much it benefited me as a homeschooling parent and at homeschool conferences as well as women in business, uh, different areas, any any relationship type-based thing that's going to benefit from understanding how the brain works, how the brain communicates, and how we can learn who we are, why we do things the way that we do, validate that and own it within ourselves, and then do the same for other people. Well, and there are lots of studies out there as well that um, kind of um, help tell us that there are certain things we can be doing that helps our brain rejuvenate and not age or reverse some of the aging that, that has occurred in our brains and just by thinking differently. Absolutely. There's uh, there so much study. One of the things I tell people when I'm, uh, when I'm speaking is if you can continue to learn throughout your lifetime, the studies that they are doing regarding dementia and Alzheimer's and all of these types of brain degenerative diseases mm-hmm. is that the more you learn, the more neural connectors you can create in your brain mm-hmm. as you go through life, the mm-hmm. slower the onsets of those diseases will be. Mm-hmm. And when they do hit, they don't hit nearly as hard because you literally have more neural pathways created in your brain mm-hmm. for your brain to reroute itself if mm-hmm. one gets destroyed. So learning foreign languages, learning needlepoint, learning music, whatever it is, just always continue to take in new information and learn no matter how, no matter what your age is. And of course, I think we find as as homeschooling parents that um, we're learning an awful lot during those years that we're homeschooling our children. So we're kind of keeping on the ball and that. And then how do we keep that going once our children have left home, you know? Yeah, it's it's yeah. fascinating. Um, yeah. I love <laughs> I love going to school myself, you know, and just learning more information. So just continuing to absorb, you know, find your passion. I loved what you were saying about reading and that you read constantly. As I was listening before I came on, and that's that's excellent. You know, read something yeah. that you're passionate about and continue to learn. Yeah, yeah, different kinds of books. All right, so. Um, Really, some of the things that you um, do is the connection between the brain and learning styles, different learning styles. So can you tell us about some of the different learning styles and how that works? Yeah, there are primarily three learning styles. Now, there is a, a some experts are coming up with a fourth, but that fourth I attribute more to your brain leads, which I talk about in the book. But your three main learning styles are auditory, visuals, and kinesthetics. And just in a nutshell, auditories process information the most efficiently and effectively based on what they take in through their eyes. And by the way, side point, reading is an auditory function. That's when you're reading, it's an auditory thing that lights up on the PET scan. So reading is an auditory function, and that that equates to about 20% of the population. Visuals are those who take in information most efficiently and effectively through what they see, what goes in through their eyes. Mm-hmm. That's about 50%, 50 to 60% of the population. Then the remaining portion of the population, 20 to 30%, are kinesthetics, which is what you might term a, a tactile learner, ones who take in information most efficiently and effectively based on what they actually get their hands into, what they feel, what they experience through touch, 
um, also through smell. So that those are the ones that they got to get their hands in there. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I I um, found when I was um, I have another guest. You might know her um, who comes periodically onto my show, Mariana Willis. Do you know her, Mariana? Uh, I don't. I don't think we've met yet. No. Well, um, she does learning styles. She, she talks a lot about learning styles as well. And we were talking about after she'd finished, I went and did some more research and I discovered that I am, you know, sort of like I'm, I'm the classic learner. I'm happy sitting in my classroom, reading a book, textbook or whatever, mm-hmm. taking notes from the blackboard, taking tests and all that kind of stuff. Not one member of my family is that classic learner. Uh-huh. And so... I was surrounded. I mean, I was very well at organizing them and getting them going where they needed to go. But I also had to adapt completely to their way of learning, which helped me a lot. It kind of changed my very sort of I can do other things now. And I think you can learn how to do that instead of getting stuck in that little box. But it just surprises me how, I mean, in a family of six, five of us learn completely different to that one traditional learner in the classroom. And all the classrooms are set up for me. Not for one of the five people in my family. And I just go, why? You know? That is a very good point. Very, very good point. Uh, and that is the biggest thing that we can take advantage of when we're homeschooling. There is a very small portion of the population. So when you look at your family, one-sixth of your family, it likes that way of learning. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, that is the – John Medina, who wrote the book Brain Rules, says something interesting in that book. He says, if you want to create a, an environment that is absolutely the worst for the brain to learn, you create a traditional classroom. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not the way most brains like to learn, and it's not good for permanent retention and deep memory encoding. It, it's just too, it's, it's just not comfortable for the brain. And mm-hmm. really, in reality, when you think about it, it's, it was a matter of necessity to educate the masses. Mm-hmm. You know, they they can't they can't have a homeschool environment with twenty to thirty kids in a classroom mm-hmm. and only one teacher to monitor it. So, mm-hmm. when you're dealing with that that larger number of children, you have to establish some type of order. Unfortunately, it's just not the best way for the brain to learn, and mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why our our education system is failing in the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you do get those odd teachers though that made the class so much fun. You know, it, it could be a, just a simple biology teacher that was really a hands-on biology teacher. It could even be an English teacher. But I, you know, I can remember those teachers stand out, and I remember what I learned from them. But you're right. You know, at school, I literally studied for the exam, and after that, forget it. I, I did not. I could not retain, or didn't even want to retain any of the stuff that I had learned. <laughs> exactly. I mentioned in the in my book, I knew the periodic table of elements when I was in high school. But good grief, if you asked me to do a chemistry experiment now based on that, I'd probably blow the house up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for those of you who are just joining us, I'm talking to Julie Anderson, author of the refreshing and sometimes irreverent book, Quickest Way to Insanity, Homeschool Your Kids. We'll talk about that after the next break. Um, Julie and I have been talking about how learning styles affect the way our children learn. And um, even some children who could earn a C could be their A. So we talked about alternatives um, to um, learning. And when we come back, after this short break, break, we'll go on to some other fun stuff that we can do as homeschoolers. 
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you. Here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage. Connect with Juliana in media.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Now, this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number one with the official Classic Hits Countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports, you name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Julie, you homeschooled three boys. Yes. Yeah, and I know, and congratulations. I know there's a difference between how boys and girls learn, because I had two of each, had two boys and two girls. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us um, how how they learn differently? Well, probably the biggest thing that I always really emphasize, which is is something that a lot of parents uh, don't know, is that the little boy brain is not... I shouldn't say they don't know. They know it instinctively, but they don't know it scientifically. And that is that the little boy brain, uh, especially in the early years, is not, it's just not ready for the basic uh, learning that is done in schools. From a scientific point of view, when, the, when you're pregnant with a little boy and that Y chromosome is noticed, the brain gets a chemical bath that changes that brain from an inherently female brain into a male brain, and obviously the physical changes take place and you wind up with a little boy. But one of the most interesting things that that bath does is it slows the maturation of the left side of the brain. Now, the left side of the brain is what's responsible for reading, for writing, for understanding language. That's all housed in the left side of the brain. So little boys, inherently, as they come out the chute, so to speak, they're they're right brain dominant. They may be technically a left brain lead, but their left brain just isn't ready as of yet for the typical reading, writing, spelling, basic uh, things that we expect out of a child at five, six, seven years. Now, I have to say that there are always exceptions to the rule. So you may be one of those parents out there that has this brilliant little left brainer that, or 
little boy that is reading it and spelling it for, and that's that's okay. But in general, um, it's what we expect out of little boys is the same as what we expect out of little girls, and yet their brains are so vastly different, especially prior to 10 years of age, that it's very difficult to have them learn at the same rate or expect the same types of results from their work as we see out of the little girls when it comes to that basic, the basic things we teach in primary grades of, you know, K through three. So with your three boys, did you have um, different learners or were they all typical right brain boys that really weren't ready with their left brain yet? They were, they were, um, across the board. (laughs) It's kind of funny because I have three, I have my youngest is a kinesthetic learner, highly kinesthetic. My oldest is very visual, and my middle son is very auditory. Now, because a lot of schooling takes place on an auditory level, and for the first six years of the 16 years that I schooled them, I did not have this information on the brain. Mm-hmm. So I treated them all the way I was taught. You know, I didn't make the, the adjustments with the brain in mind. And my middle boy, because auditories are naturally gifted in reading, he did fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest son struggled. Uh, my youngest son struggled. And then once I got the information on the brain, I was like, oh, okay, all right, I'm just going to wait until they hit that magical age between 10 and 13. And, and that left side of the brain goes, oh, I'm awake now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can learn this so much better. And, and the transformation, especially in my youngest boy, was tremendous, mm-hmm. tremendous. Mm-hmm. He went from struggling quite a bit as as a younger boy in the in reading to just blossoming and started doing extemporaneous reading in front of crowds of people and and is now a, a very very at you know eighteen a very articulate reader. Mm-hmm. I had the same thing. I had a brilliant first child. I mean, he just set the bar for everybody coming after him. And um, as far as academics were concerned, and then my second son, he didn't talk till he was three. Now, Mm -hmm. I've got friends who panic when their children don't talk at one, and I'm going, my son didn't talk till he was three. He didn't read or write or anything like that until much later, but I had a brother who was like that, so I was going, he'll be fine, he'll be fine, Mm -hmm. which he was. I mean, he was a fine child and just very active. He would far sooner, you know, learn his times tables, riding his bike or climbing a tree or something like that, which is what we did. Right. You know, we were lucky with the homeschool, we could do that, but, you know... I guess parents panic and there has to be a time when um, there is something wrong. I mean, you know, there's, there are other little disorders that come into play that need to be watched for. But in general, you know, a boy, I just think they're, they're clever little things. You know, they just kind of go, listen, I'm only young. I just want to be out there playing and romping and everything like that. The reading and writing will come later. <laughs> it does. It does. And if you are a parent that is able to recognize that, you, it's just so much more wonderful to experience homeschooling or to experience just being with your children. Mm-hmm. So often we find that children are mislabeled with these learning disorders or, um, you know, ADD or dyslexia or these different things, and it's, it's kind of like if you could, I just wish they could just wait a few more years. Just give them a few more years before they make that diagnosis because oftentimes once that left side of the brain starts to kick in, Mm-hmm. It's like this light bulb comes on. The, the switch gets flipped, and, and all of a sudden, hey, 
they can read and they comprehend it, and it's it's wonderful. And then that way, they don't have this label stuck in their in their subconscious that says, "Oh, I can't do this because yeah. I am A, B, or C." You know. Yeah, and also um, I think that plays into a lot of the unschooling philosophy that I I hear about. I definitely wasn't an unschooler, but you know what. As a grandmother, if any of my children homeschool, I will probably tend towards that a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, you, the children know. they know. It's pointless. You are banging your head against a brick wall if you try to teach a child to read who isn't ready. Exactly. <laughs> and then it just becomes frustrating, and yeah. you lose one of the big benefits of homeschooling, and that is enjoying that time with your children if you're yeah. just constantly you know, worried that, oh, they're not at grade level expectations, they're not doing what all of the kids in public school are doing, what's, you know, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with my child. If you can just let that go, that it just increases your time, the joy that you have in the time with your children. Mm-hmm. So, um, so how can school, and I'll say, say these children that really are going to be a whole lot better off if they were able to stay at home and and just and be with mum um how how can school literally make children sick what is that emotional immune connection how does that work well i have to tell i always tell individuals that what started me on this journey into the brain personality connection really really diving in and and reading as much research as i can possibly absorb on the brain was 12 years ago when I was studying psychoneuroimmunology, and that's the connection between your immune system and your emotions. And for anyone who's a reader out there and likes some of that scientific stuff, Norman Cousins wrote a book called Head First, and it deals with that whole field of psychoneuroimmunology, and that is the connection between your immune system and your emotions. And what's very interesting is in the anatomy of the brain, the portion of the brain that controls your immune system is also responsible for emotions. So when you are constantly in a negative emotional state, you are, you literally can negatively affect your emotions. And I don't, you know, I can't list all of the studies that are listed in that book or that have been done on this, this research, but they, it, I mean, it can literally adjust the white blood cell count in your bloodstream. So when you have a very frustrating environment, whether that environment, you know, in, in a public school or even in your home school, where you're frustrated because your children aren't reaching what you think they're supposed to do, or in a, in a public school, if it's being taught primarily auditorily and you've got all these little kinesthetics that can't, they're not getting it, their brain's not processing it, and there's all of this frustration and then they think, what's wrong with me, and a bunch of negative emotions, it's going to funnel down into your immune system, and your immune system is going to start to take a dive and you're going to be more susceptible to any kinds of, of illnesses and chronic disorders or just simply be fatigued all the time because your brain's exhausted. Yeah. And that is, that is one of the huge benefits that we can have when we homeschool our children is if we take the brain into mind, we can make a brain-friendly atmosphere for learning, which just raises those emotions into a happy, joyful state and Mm. ultimately does wonders for your immune system. Mm. Well, um, Julie, I can think of many times when I've been, you know, sort of really stressed by a situation or or something that I'm doing, whether it, when it was, when I was still working or, or, you know, family problems or whatever. And when everything sort of was fine again, 
I'd, I'd get sick immediately. It was as if all of my, everything was firing to get this crisis out of the way. And then once the crisis was gone, my body just went, ah, oh, this is it. You have to go lie down. You're sick, you know, and I'd mm-hmm. get a cold or, you know, crashing headaches or something like that. And, you know, I know, I always know if I'm under a lot of stress that once the stress passes, I'm going to, I'm going to be laid low for a few days. Right. And that's that. That has to do with the brain, too. It's part of that reticular activating system in the brain that when we're in a, you know, fight-flight type of a situation, our adrenaline kicks up, it, and it gets us through it. Mm-hmm. It helps us to deal with that stress that we have to deal with right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And then once that stress subsides, it's like, oh, my goodness, now I'm brain exhausted. Now I have to go take care of myself. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's that natural well, this... protective mechanism within our own brains. But if we do that too much, imagine what it does to us long-term physically. I know, I know. And all of this wonderful research into the brain, now that we know we can, we can you know, start early with the kids, because some of this stuff is really brand new and, you know, we're sort of well into our age, you know, well into our life and we're going, oh, if only I'd known, you know, when I was in my mm-hmm. twenties, I would have started doing this. And now we've, we've got the benefit that we can pass it on to our children. It's just, just wonderful because, you know, our children, you know, the boys and girls difference um, at, as a, at a young age stays the same when you're adults because men and women are different too. So Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you well, know what? I think probably if I can just throw this last thing in there, uh, probably the biggest thing is if when we are a homeschooling and we can take the brain in mind and we can teach our kids and we can validate our children for who they are naturally and keep them from beating themselves up for not reaching bars that other people have set, other people with different brains and different personalities. If we can foster that within our children to just be who they are, own it, and accept it, then you're going to have such a well-adjusted, self-sufficient, secure adult. And that's what every parent wants, is for our children to just have a happy life. And understanding the brain helps us to raise our children that way. Mm, I agree with you. Um, when I come back, um, uh, Julie, I would like you still to be there because I want you to talk about a little bit about your website. And I have one other little thing that I want to talk to you about. Um, so um, join me um, after 90 seconds. I'll be back after these few messages. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. Everybody 
In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Hello everybody, this is Pete Dix asking if you'll join me on Beatles and Beyond on this radio station. What a show I've got in store for you. Not only all the Apple reissues that I'll be looking at, some very rare tracks indeed, a report on my evening watching and listening to Neil Innes of the Ruttles and the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. So please join me, Pete Dix, with Beatles and Beyond on this radio station. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, Julie, um, I have um, something else that I want to talk to you about, and I think you've probably covered some of it. Um, by saying that we really need to validate our children for who they are naturally and, you know, encourage them to be who they are. But, you know, as the sole teacher responsible for our children's education, homeschooling mums and homeschooling dads, you know, feel a lot of stress. There's a lot on their shoulders. Um, do you have some some um, hints or clues as to um, how we can alleviate that stress, that we can enjoy what we're doing more? <laughs> well, honestly, it becomes so much more enjoyable when you understand the brain because then instead of looking at your child and going, why did you just do that or mm-hmm. what are you thinking, you're able to look at them and go, oh, I, I understand. I know what you're thinking. I know what's going on. Um, that, is, that is very helpful, just understanding, just knowing the reason why. But also, when, you, when you're teaching with the brain in mind, you should be taking very frequent breaks. So that reduces the frustration level. You know, you kind of get out of the house, so to speak, or you, you get up and you move around, and that reduces the immediate stresses of just getting through each subject. But I always tell parents it's so important because our health, you know, the same that, that a public school can, the environment in a public school can make your children sick because of negative emotional, you know, um, results, the same thing can happen to parents. You know, we can disconnect from our mate. We can get ourselves overly exhausted emotionally and therefore wind up being, you know, physically ill. So in, in actuality, just educating yourself on the brain and understanding what's going on in your head and in the head of your children, it reduces the stress a lot. And when you ever feel like you're at that ultimate stress point, throw your kids in the car and go on a field trip. That's my favorite answer. (laughs) Go out in the world, do something where they're still being educated. They're still learning by, you know, walking through a museum or walking through, you know, a nature trail. Um, 
something that's going to break the norm. It's going to wake up the brain. It's going to reduce the stress because you're just not in that enclosed environment. Um, and it, it, it just relieves things, and it's more fun. And when you laugh, it creates endorphins in your brain, and that's a very positive thing for your health. So just, you know, understand what's going on upstairs and, and make those adjustments and make sure that you, as parents, you save time for yourself. You save time for your mate. Um, you know, sit in quiet. Like I loved, again, what you were saying about sitting and reading and drinking your tea. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a, a visual might like to go, you know, walk through a quiet art museum or something yeah. for themselves from time to time. Don't forget about caring for ourselves because we can't give the best of ourselves if we don't take care of ourselves as well. Well, Julie, um, we've come to the end of our time, but I want you to quickly tell me where we can go to buy your book and what your website is. The name of the website is yourbestmindonline.com, or you can type in quickestwaytoinsanity.com, and that will land you right on the homeschooling landing page. And you can order the book or any of the homeschool success kit or any of the products that are on teaching with the brain in mind and just read a little bit on the website about the the information on on the brain so that's that's one of the best ways to or you can always email me at julie at yourbestmindonline.com okay well i'll put that information on my um, toganet web page and um, i've been nattering away to julie anderson this morning afternoon and we've been discovering learning styles brains and personalities as homeschoolers, we're so lucky to be able to modify our instruction to suit our children by finding out how they learn best. Julie endorses the philosophy that since there are many other ways to educate your children, why not go for them? Finding out what our children's unique learning styles are will serve both us and our offspring. So go to her website, www.yourbestmindonline, and learn so, so much more. Julie, thank you so much for joining me this morning. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Vivian. Same to you. Enjoy your time with your family. Thank you and you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, I have my son. I'm not going to talk to you right now, Ian, but my son has called me all the way from America, and he's going to chat with me for the last couple of minutes. So um, I'm going to whiz through some of this stuff that um, I'm planning on talking to you about. And really, it's about money, because last week, Carol Top and I enjoyed our little discussion about money, one of the three taboo topics of conversation here in this happy land of dwelling that I'm in. But one I enjoy bringing up in appropriate society at un inappropriate moments. Oh, I'm a homeschooler and I'm already labelled as not one of us, coupled with my English accent, and I can get away with almost anything. And in my book, I jokingly quip when neither my husband or I were working for a paycheck, we were able to live without the interruption of jobs. The making of money spoiled our fun together cramped our style. Of course, this is facetious in this day and age. We need money to do almost anything unless we have generous unearned incomes or live totally off the land. How are we going to light our way, feed our bodies or keep ourselves looking respectable in mixed company? While I say making money gets in the way of other day-to-day activities, I know that making money is a necessity and we best get over that hurdle straight away. And the young people who lived with me for so many years bulk today at all kinds of expenses because suddenly the money in their hands is hard earned by them. So um, here are three of the things they think they can't afford. 
Health insurance, and I agree a bit, not working for a company that offers health insurance makes it a prohibitive cost for those new to the workforce who aren't making enough money to justify spending 30% of it on a private health insurance policy. They eat well, exercise, and they look after themselves, so why waste the money? But my teacher daughter thought, though, has learned that even with minimal coverage on her parents' policy, she wasn't exempt from high medical bills. She went to the emergency room with a suspected broken wrist. Not only was her wrist badly bruised, the visit also badly bruised her bank account to the tune of a couple of thousand dollars. And that was just a 30-minute visit to outpatients with our major medical. Another I can't afford thing is saving for retirement. A common whale about this is it's so far away. They can use the money better now on things like TVs, phones and cars. But it's a must and something I encourage my children to take advantage of if their company offers a 401k plan. Who knows, they might still be there 25 years later and they should have taken it out when they first went there. And buying a home. Nowadays with the interest rates, so low, it's imp- it's possible to buy a house, but my children and I have talked about the millstone it could be around their necks if they want to up and move now, as the young generation is apt to do. A home's a good investment, but it's also a personal choice. The lifestyle is what's important today. Some people like to have ownership. Others are happy to sign a lease and leave when they want to. So here's a question to ponder. Is the memory of how the money felt in our hands clearer than the memory of what we actually did with it? For me, there are times when looking at the cash in my hand and knowing the fun it's about to buy is about as pleasurable as it gets. The other evening, we spent a lot of money on a West End show and then stopped for a pint at a pretty little pub we pass every time we walk to Westminster. We all had such a thoroughly good time and slept better that night than we had in the six weeks since our arrival. And... Guess what? I think some of us need to lighten up a bit on money and some of us are more sensible than others and we all deal and view money differently. So here are some of my own personal money myths and truths. Having a job does take a huge chunk out of the day when I'd rather be doing things for myself, especially when the sun's out, but it does pay the bills and sometimes I enjoy it. Money makes you happy for a moment. Money gets you friends for a season. Worrying about money, whether you have it or not, kills the love of life. Unearned money is the best if you can get over the guilt. Being paid for doing something you love is an awesome gift. There are plenty of things to do that cost nothing. For example, having a conversation with a loved one over a natural spring of fresh water is tantamount to paradise and the available of good friends is priceless. If you can put off paying for something, then do. Just because you're rich doesn't mean you're happy. The man with the most debt has the most successful business. No one in their right mind uses their own money when they can use someone else's. This particular one makes me feel good. Borrowing is a luxury of the wealthy. And you can't take it with you, but you can leave it in good hands. And lastly, being able to pay my bills and still have money left over could make me happy. But it would mean my blue-eyed cowboy was on the road, so maybe not. And with that, Ian, are you there? I'm here. Hello, how are you? I'm fine. How, uh, how, how, how are you? I'm doing well. Nearly at the end of my show. It was nice to see you. I saw your name pop up on the, on the studio chat line, and I went, my Ian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing? I'm just getting ready to, to do some work. Just get things oh, done. Yeah? So yeah. you had a busy night last night, I hear? I did. Uh, we had the, the the first show, and it was it went really well. And we've got another one tonight. Oh, you have? 
Well, good. Yeah, we're doing another one tonight, so it'll be great. Well, for those of you that don't know, of course, um, Ian is talking about a, um, well, it's like a video camera, uni-monitor, that um, can actually live stream. Is that what is that one of the major perks of it? It is, uh, and it's, it's something that we're, we're just trying to work out all the kinks and uh, get it as, as smooth as possible and hopefully get some interest in it. So as good parents, we were up at 2 o'clock this morning, and we went and watched it live streaming just to see it working. Actually, I heard your voice in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had, to, we, had to rig up, we had to rig up the audio yesterday, but, uh, but we're going to get it working today. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, well, I'm down to my last two minutes, Ian. Thanks for calling. All right, bye-bye. Bye. And, uh, well, that was Ian. That was my son in America. And it was great to hear his voice. We Skype a lot. And, um, well, with that, and uh, that, was a, that was a good surprise, I've uh, drawn to the end of another hour for another week. So it's my blue-eyed cowboy's birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, handsome. Malia and I have lots of fun in store for him, so I won't let the cat out of the bag. I'm off to Broadstairs on Monday to meet with my solicitor and bear ashes to the funeral directors for my brothers and my convoluted solution to my parents' final resting places. Since they left no specific instructions, it's up to us, and we weren't in agreement, so come back next week to find out what we decided to do. Without further ado, I'm going to say thanks to my young husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas. The hardworking staff at Toginet Radio. My guest, Julie Anderson, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne and Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, and many others who are a part of my growing audience. Remember to listen in to my friend Sandy Fowler, host of Heartfield Holidays, Mondays at 1 p.m. Central. And listen to Ali Lapreet this afternoon. I miss Ali. She used to come after my show. Um, she's on this afternoon at 5 o'clock Central Time. Um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers 6, 24 through 26. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.